Welcome to another exciting episode of Tile Lake Talk. This is Casey Bowker. And I'm Chris Walk. And we're here to talk about Star Wars. Yay! Uh, right? It's one of our favorite yeah. uh, franchises of all time. I think it's probably the birth of geekdom for probably the both of us. I know it is for me. Yeah, I would say it's the birth of our friendship, actually. Yeah, yeah, and and what's really carried it on through the years and 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 solidified it. Without Star Wars, we'd be nothing, Chris. I don't think so. I I'd have to totally agree. And, we should, <laughs> and that's actually one thing I I didn't have in the docket, so we should probably talk about our uh, our trip to Washington eventually. So, well, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. So. We're going to be talking about the what our history of Star Wars, not the history of Star Wars. You can no. watch any countless documentary on that, so don't don't worry about that. We're not going to talk about that. Um, but with before we get into kind of our love of Star Wars and how we became friends a little bit, um, <coughs> our trip to Washington, <laughs> um, let's talk about kind of what's going on in Star Wars news uh, recently, right, Chris? Yeah, Star Wars is back in the mainstream, my friends. Um, so, yeah, in the last couple weeks, we had what? We, I mean, we had A, the Rebels season finale, B, uh, the latest Star Wars novel to hit the uh, uh, hit stands was uh, Heir to the Jedi by Kevin Hearn, and, of course, uh, we discovered an awesome um, Kickstarter uh, that uh, explores the Kenner... Uh, expanding universe line of action figures. So um, let's talk a little bit about that Rebel season finale, man, because that that was excellent. That was epic, and I can't get that lightsaber battle out of my mind where he's like wielding those two lightsabers and shooting with Ezra's lightsaber at the same time. I mean, it, it it's just it's it's exciting. And and the funny thing that I really liked about that is that as Ezra's watching the fight and Kanan shooting um, at the Inquisitor, and he was like, oh, I never thought about that. And I'm like, that's exactly what I fucking thought when you had that thing. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you have a blaster and a lightsaber if you're not going to use them at the same time? So that was that was awesome. I, obviously, uh, what is his name? David Filoni. Um, you know, he the, the, the creator, you know, Simon Kinberg and him, Obviously, huge Star Wars fans. Um, they they probably thought the same thing too. Like, let's let's do something that we've never seen before, and it's just just amazing, just amazing. Yeah, um, I'm I'm kind of disappointed uh, that the Inquisitor is dead, but you know, it is bringing about um, Vader is now going to join the show, so he'll be of course uh, bringing the terror to our favorite group of rebels. Can we talk about that for a second? Because I don't know... Hold on. You know what? Maybe we should just leave Rebels for a whole different topic. We should, but, I mean, we will. And that's that's but, a good point. Let's just talk... Let's, yeah. let's wrap up in this awesome season finale. I, <laughs> I really I thought it was awesome that they brought in the rest of the Rebels. Um, that They, they kind of tied together the whole... All the cells, and then they brought back Ahsoka, um, really kind of tying the two animated series together and bringing, you know, it was a really big mystery what happened at the end of the, the Clone Wars Season 5 what happened to her when she just walked away 
and now she's back. So I, I, I'm really excited because I love that. I love that TV show, and um, I, I really liked her character a lot. Right, and and the thing that's really going to be great about that, and then with Sarah Michelle Gellar joining the cast as well, is yes. that Rebels is a very female-centric star, you know, like thing. And you know, with the introduction also um, a couple weeks ago with Mark Wade's Leia. Uh, comic, it's like we're getting more and more towards female-centric characters being prominent, and I know that you're working on an article on that right now, <laughs> but I, I think it's fantastic that we're getting more female characters, especially in Star Wars, where they've been lacking for the last 30-plus years. I, I agree. I mean, it's it was, a, it was a diversification problem in the first place. I mean, you had an all-white male role, you know, it was cast for the first movie. They added Billy we- Billy D. Williams later on, but really, I mean, it was it was a bunch of white people running around saving the galaxy from this 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 dark lord who is draped in black. So you mean you mean I mean was George Lucas a racist? No, but I mean it was like it was easy to draw these these stereotypical comparisons to not not diversing enough. Now. With the new age um, and Disney owning the thing, I think it's amazing because they just announced today, which is you know we're in early March right now, and we're looking at Dark Lords of the Sith coming out in April, uh, which is the next novel in the Star Wars uh, canon, uh, which will explore with Darth Vader and the Emperor. And they just announced that there will be a, a lesbian character in that series, uh, in that book. So I right. mean, we're really opening up. Um, to a whole new age of, of Star Wars. Um, and, and, I mean, I'm not going to say that they didn't have strong role types because Princess Leia was a strong female character. Definitely. Uh, you know, Lando was a strong character. You know, it's not like they were, like George Lucas meant to be um, insulting. He just, it was the way they cast the movies. So, I think, I think the same. But um, Disney has princesses. You know, <laughs> they do. I mean, I mean why, and, why not? And Leia... Leia can be a princess. She is sorry. She is a princess. She can be a Disney princess. But I think that Disney has always, you know, I don't know how much diversity they've been getting better throughout the years. You know, with their first African American princess. But it's nice to see that females are taking a step forward in an otherwise white male-led franchise. So, yeah. um, in 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 Rebels with Sabine and Hera. Awesome characters. I love the both of them. Very excited because I'm a huge Buffy fan, as everyone in the world knows. 18 years, girl. What up? So, <laughs> yeah, I just very excited. I I hope that she plays a. I hope that she plays the villain. I think maybe she's like too, because yeah. I. That's what I was gonna say before, and I guess we'll just get into it now. Is I don't think that Vader will be the main bad. I I do not think that one bit that he's gonna be the big bad in the next season. He's going to be there, but he's going to either be training another Sith who then gets killed before Episode 5 or something. But uh, it's probably Buffy. She's probably a bad guy, and Emperor probably hired her to kill these rebels. Yeah, I can see her as being... Maybe she's, maybe she's even that lesbian moth that they're talking about in these books. Who knows? Yeah, that's true. So um, the other thing that you mentioned about was the the Kickstarter uh, that was going on very recently, and um, 
still going on, and it's the the Kenner book. So tell me about that. Yeah. Um, well, you, actually, you you turned me on to this one. Uh, you sent me an email. You just I know, but I, uh, that was all for you. No, I know, I know, and I, and I backed it, and I'm and I'm more than happy to back it, and I, and what it what it is, uh, it's a it's a book that delves into the uh, when Kenner did the uh, expanded universe line of action figures for Star Wars, uh, so this was like 1998 ish. Uh, you you got figures based on characters from the Dark Forces video games like Kyle Katarn, which was awesome. Um, Dark Empire, you got like the Dark Luke Skywalker with a red lightsaber and, and yep. Mara Jade and these awesome and um, I mean I'm and Grand Admiral Thrawn for 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 God's sakes I mean amazing one of the best characters my favorite expanded universe character of all time. Uh, uh, okay. You had you had no he is um, you had the chance yeah for me no I'm saying for me it is I'm not saying that for you yeah. uh, <laughs> I don't make those judgments um, but. It was amazing to get this line of characters that that kind of um, <clears throat> stem from the main uh, line of character uh, from the main line of toys. So, um, author Philip Reed is actually really, uh, trying to fund a book called Universe Expanded, um, and you can find that on Kickstarter right now. You can link to it through uh, don'tforgettotello.com, and you know if that's something you're interested in, I I implore you to uh, implore you to uh, to donate to it and help Definitely. the cause. No, definitely, definitely. So, before we get into our batch of news, let's uh, roll our first commercial. All this top 40 music is so boring. Jeez, I sure wish I had something geeky to listen to. Well, I've got just the thing for you, stranger. Who are you and how did you get in my house? Don't even worry about that. If you're looking for the latest, greatest, and geekiest podcasts around, you should check out Those Geeks You Know. Those geeks you know, wow, three friends talking about comic books, movies, TV shows, all the things that I geek out about. But seriously, you got to leave now. Be sure to check out Those Geeks You Know on iTunes and Stitcher. You can also like us on Facebook and Twitter and tell everybody that you know. You, you got to leave. I called the cops. All right, and we're back. Uh, so I'm I'm sure there will be – we're going to a lot many – Many a podcast to the topic of Star Wars. But yeah, I was just gonna say this is just a brief touch. <laughs> it is, and, and as much as I want to talk about Rebels and I want to just talk about uh, the prequels <laughs> and everything, we're gonna stick to the Holy Trilogy, uh, the Star Wars movies that we grew up on, the movies that sparked a generation of of geekliness. I mean, nothing like this. This pop culture phenomenon of Star Wars has ever really existed in 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 the history of of geekdom. I mean, don't you agree? Oh, absolutely. I can't think of anything more influential in my life, let alone all of pop culture. I mean, <laughs> there's spoofs upon spoofs upon spoofs, and I believe that you know spoofs are actually the best form of flattery because you obviously have a love for it and you know from family guy to you know we we talk about it in our jj abrams podcast and and gourmet scum radio where you know jj abrams is a huge fan and then now he's become the director it's just that like it's nice to live in a world now where the people our age are controlling hollywood and directing and, and controlling these franchises like Dave Filoni with um, Rebels, and he's 40 years old. You know, 
he grew up with Star Wars, and now this is it. Like the Holy Trilogy is now being able to to become yet again. Not that it ever left pop culture, but it's getting revitalized, and I love it. Yeah, I I think you know the thing about Star Wars was that it was it was George Lucas controlled for so long, and you know not that that's a bad thing because he is the creator. And yeah. um, he and it's his it it's his baby. So you know whatever he wanted to do with it, no matter how much we want to fight against the prequels, there's always there's there's always highlights to that. Um, and there's there's I mean there's there's some stuff about the original trilogy too that you can you can say. But you could. George Lucas created the pop culture phenomenon known as the Star Wars, which forever changed the lives of us geeks and and movie. You know, movie making in general for the new forever, forever, forever I mean, yeah. He created Dolby or DHX. What is it? DH, yeah. DHX, DHX, which and, is around sound, and he created CGI. He created CGI. Exactly. Like, Skywalker sound. Yeah. Like you, you. I will forever to this day believe that George Lucas is the smartest man alive. I don't care about what he's done with the, the prequels. I don't care what he did with the special editions. The man created CGI, and then he was nice enough to let other people in the world do it, like like Weta, you know what I mean, and, and what they've done with Lord of the Rings and um, Chappie and all that kind of stuff. Like, like he created an entire world that we use nowadays like the Terminator movies like Avatar like it's insane and these all this is George Lucas so um, but anyways I don't I don't want to you know fluff up George Lucas too much let's go on to um, the Holy Trilogy as we call it what's your favorite movie even though I, I probably I do know the answer I don't even know why I'm saying probably go on why yeah. I actually I want to I want to touch on like earliest memories before we get into favorites. Oh, you want to touch on uh, earliest? <laughs> I do because it, it's actually it leads into like how uh, the placements of you know the placement of the trilogy and how the episode order went when I was a kid. But right, we'll talk, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but I I, <coughs> I remember is is like sleepovers when I was like four or five five years old and um, I. One of my friends, like we'd we'd always watch those movies, and um, and that and that just changed everything for me. He had all the toys, uh, so I, I I was exposed to them through through that. And I the toys, you know, we'll we'll talk about that too. But the toys had just such a um, an impact on how the movie, you know, how the movie did, and 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 how it was just delivered to children and audiences of all ages. Right. Exactly. And um, my earliest memories are uh, my aunt, um, well, both my aunts, but um, were big fans. And for babysitting, they would go to the library and rent them for me. And I remember they rented them out of order. So I saw A New Hope. Return of the Jedi, and then the Empire Strikes Back. And I was always confused as a kid as to the events that were going on. Um, but so I was I. Yeah, I don't know if it's as a result or whatever, but Return of the Jedi is my favorite, I think because I'm a huge Muppets fan, and I don't mind Ewoks and 
Jabba's Palace and all that stuff. I know a lot of people hate it, but I'm more than fine with it. No, I, I am too. Um, I the only the only problem is I don't understand how a bunch of like teddy bears and a few rebels can 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 take down an imperial armada. I mean, it's a little far fetched, and we could not, you know stress the imagination a little bit, but it, it always kind of perplexed me. I don't I don't even care because okay, I'm watching that's, the fine. that's fine. I, because <laughs> I, I you know the crazy thing was like I always thought that the Empire was the last movie and like. That Darth Vader was when, when Luke is walking into Jabba's palace. He was Darth Vader. I, it was like these weird, like these weird comparisons when I was a kid. So yeah, it's no, no, no idea. So crazy. Yeah, exactly. And um, <laughs> your favorite movie is Empire, right? It is. Um, I love Empire because I like I like seeing kind of the darker side of of what happened after A New Hope. Um, you know, Return of the Jedi and New Hope have very similar themes, and and what happened, you know, kind of with the, you know, they blow up the Death Star in both movies, they win in both movies, but <laughs> Empire Strikes Back was that movie where the bad guys came back with a with a with a god damn like um, um, vengeance after after Luke Skywalker blew up the Death Star the first time, and and they were just like we're gonna we're gonna hunt you down and we're gonna we're gonna fuck you up. And um, from from the beginning when there was the Battle of Hoth and and just seeing these awesome um, the scene with the ATATs um, and that whole battle leading to Dagobah, leading to Cloud City, it was it was such it was it was taking the original Star Wars movie where you had all these various locations, but it was kind of like this linear path. Um, in this movie, they're on the run. And I love that perspective of the movie, and also like the beginning of Luke's training, of course, with an introduction of Yoda. You want to talk about you want to talk about Muppets? That's that's the Muppet movie, right there. I mean, it's Yoda. One, it's I'll one. Take Yoda, Muppet, I'll take Yoda any day of the week over Ewok. I'm not saying there's n- that's not even a question. I'm simply saying that people complain about the overuse of Muppets. There's one Muppet, and I don't think anybody ever. Even in any fighting, would consider Yoda Muppet. I, I don't think they ever say that. What? The overuse complains about Yoda. Fuck the overuse of Muppets. I mean, who who would even say that? This it's such an amazing like way to like create a movie with these live sets and and these and these live characters, even if they're like far fetched imaginary characters. You look at like the the Stonewall acting that you got out of the prequels because they're all in front of green screens. There's nothing like like real about that, and that's I think the biggest difference. Like why these movies had such such an like an impact on us because of the practical events of of uh, practical effects of the original Star Wars movies. Did you hear that JJ is uh, actually going to be using uh, huts, like made huts for <gasps> Episode Seven, <laughs> like practical hut, like practical, oh, like yeah. costumed. Yes. What? It's like a family, I think. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I, uh, is the man. <laughs> uh, I don't even. No, that's that again. Another podcast. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> all right. So my favorite uh, is Jedi. Who's your favorite character? It. I I would say that my favorite character is Darth Vader. Um, I, 
Uh, Shut up. Come on. The first (laughs) time he walks, he is the... He was always on the top number one bad guy of all time. The prequels ruin Vader for the entire... You know, the the prequels are weird because they make, like, the whole Star Wars saga about Vader. Instead of what we were used to, where it was the saga was about Luke Skywalker, and it ends up that Vader is his dad, and he redeems him. So Vader was not that... He was not the like the center character of those movies that we we knew. Um, he was like this this costume clad mysterious bad guy, like I said, draped in black and with his like he was the Dark Lord of the Sith that even like the Imperial Moss were like Grand Moff Tarkin respected. Um, everybody was afraid of. He's like force choking motherfuckers. Um, so his 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 impression like his. Um, um, his influence on geekly culture is just—it's—it's you—you can't match it, man. Seriously. No, I and I don't even want to have a discussion about on you know everything about Star Wars is unparalleled in its pop culture influences. There is nothing that touches it. So I and, and Darth Vader is the most formidable enemy in all the world. Um. They, they recently did a talk on uh, Schmo's network about how if you were to take a picture of Darth Vader <laughs> to a, a third world country that doesn't own TV, doesn't own movies or anything like that, they showed a picture of Darth Vader to you know a bunch of you know third world people that they would know what true evil is because Darth, Darth Vader looks like that. Um, and I, and I, I knew what true evil was the first time he blew through that hatch on the, uh, in that ship in New Hope. I mean, that's, that's just terrifying. And when James Earl yeah. Jones speaks for the first time, you, you know darkness. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> And and I love that, but uh, no, my favorite character is Han Solo. <laughs> that that's my runner-up. Awesome. <laughs> he is. Because he can pull off a vest. He's uh, a dick. <laughs> he's the only one who's getting ass. Like, mm. He's awesome. <laughs> he's the only one that should be getting ass. Well, there is only there is only there is only one female character. Right. That's I, and, and Luke, Ma, that's his Ma, sister. Ma. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, Han Solo. All right. So, <laughs> um, so let's let's go back to a time. You you uh, you don't want to elaborate on Han Solo a little bit about the epicness of Harrison Ford and and it's, and his and George Lucas's obsession with him. You know, like Indiana Jones. <laughs> American Graffiti. Yeah. I mean, no, he, I mean, he was a big mainstay. The thing about Harrison Ford is, like, um, if you if you think about it, at that time, it's it's Star Wars, Indiana Jones, and then Blade Runner, right? And then, like, after that, like, these are all iconic characters that will never be forgotten. Um, everything else he does, like, other than maybe doing Jack Ryan... Like, he's not really as recognized for any ever again. You know what I mean? And I like that that basically Han Solo and Indiana Jones are very similar. You know, they're very much the same. They're both very smart and, and a little cocky. Indiana Jones isn't as cocky as Han Solo, but um, 
I don't know. I guess I, I just like Han Solo, and he's my favorite. I'm 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 sure that George Lucas is like, hey, Harrison, you want to play a similar character that's an archaeologist? So you know, you get more women. <laughs> yeah. Oh, did you did you get that thing I sent you about um, the whole time travel? Uh, Han Solo assassinating uh, Hitler with. Uh, <laughs> did you get that? I don't think so. I don't oh, think so. oh, it was the Jack. It was the Jack Ryan one where they where he met up with James with James Earl Jones, and they went back in time. Oh, that's it's hilarious. I'll I'll share it on the Facebook so everybody can see it. Share that. Everyone needs to see that. They do. Uh, they do. <laughs> it's it's a crazy science fiction conspiracy. <laughs> so let's let's go back to uh, 1999. Um, you you and I are in with Prince, huh? With, with Prince, Prince, yeah, <laughs> I wish. Um, you and I are in high school, yeah. and uh, senior year, and a little movie called Phantom Menace is coming out. What do you remember at that time? I remember and just how so everyone knows. Okay. In case you don't know this, sorry, real quick. Chris and I have known each other for uh, what, 21 years now? Seventh grade. Okay, so. We were like. I think it's sixth grade. I think sixth 20, grade. Sixth grade. It's like twenty plus years. So we we know. I I know most of the answers that he's going to give, but uh, you don't. So listen. <laughs> but that's that's but, that's why this that's why this podcast can work out so well. I think that um, at least we can be somewhat like telepathic on it. I think after this, we should go into. Well, actually, you know what? Before we even go there. Why don't we go into that uh, trip to uh, to Washington? That's what we were going into, remember? No, <laughs> I was going to that before we go into Phantom Menace. Oh no, yeah, no, you're right because that's that's chronologically all, speaking. Chronolog- that's, like, that's 98. This is our real Star Wars canon. <laughs> um, and oh, and we'll talk about celebration after all this. Okay, um, so um, senior year 1999. Was it? No, was it senior? That's 98. 98. So, 98, well, yeah. I mean, 97, so just so everyone knows, 97 is when the special editions came out, and we went and saw all of them. We stood in line not as long as we did for Phantom Menace, but um, that was our first time seeing Star Wars in the theater, right? Yes. Yeah, so 97, we saw Star Wars for the first time in the theaters, the special editions. Yeah, they changed things, but Chris and I weren't old enough to see Star Wars in the theater, so that was insane. A year later, the Smithsonian decided to put on a Star Wars exhibit, um, and Chris's parents got us that for his birthday. Go. Yeah, so um, I think it was called The Myth of Magic. Yeah, uh, I, I remember my aunt had like a, a T-shirt, even though she didn't go, but my, well, it's one of my aunts who made me watch Star Wars when I was a kid. Magic, it's called The Magic of Myth. Um, and what it was is that uh, Lucas, Lucasfilm, uh, they, they decided to not donate but give a bunch of uh, costumes and replicas to the Smithsonian. And they put on an awesome display of all the old... It's like going to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and seeing all the old rock stars' costumes, but instead it's Star Wars. you know. So we're like totally geeking out. And it's at one of the biggest museums in the in, in the world, one of the most renowned ones. So it just kind of tells it kind of goes to show like 
how, what kind of impact Star Wars has just on basic like overall culture. Um, so we went, we geeked out, um, and it <coughs> we had a good time. We ate um, raw hamburger even that trip. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We had watched um, American Werewolf in Paris, and uh, <laughs> the character decided to eat raw meat, and we decided that we were going to get our burgers raw, and we got viciously sick uh, the day before we... Because we, we arrived, I think, the night before the uh, actual tour of the Smithsonian and got really sick. Um, but <laughs> we had to go to this this exhibit. didn't take away from our, our passion for the movies, and I don't even remember being sick as much as I remember seeing like a speeder bike in front of me and being like, oh my god, you know, this is the greatest thing ever. So, um, <laughs> amazing, amazing time. I don't even think we saw anything else in, the Smith in, in Washington. I think we only saw this exhibit. I don't, I don't think we had time to see anything else. No, it was a very short trip, but it was worth it, and um, it was great. So that's 98-99. Let's go forward. I'm, I'm going to Quentin Tarantino this trip down memory lane. Um, oh, wait, wait, wait. I, I just want to mention, like, I mean, 99, we're talking about the prequels, and that was going to be the next stage, and I was just obsessed by that trailer. So it was exciting. It was an exciting time, and... I would I would like to just save the prequels for another you know another discussion. Okay, but you want to talk about the prequels at all? I want to go. No, I don't because I think it's I think we just need to. There's just so much to say that we could just tangent. What I do want to mention is that uh, prior to that, uh, 1997 was it? Um, Shadows of the Empire. Oh God, yeah. Um, we do have. I, I'd, I'd rather kind of mention that and kind of talk about some of the um, uh, the expanded universe stories that took place that were based off that holy trilogy. I, it's um, in 1996, I believe that um, yeah, 1996, Shadows of the Empire came out. It was a huge like um, rejuvenation of the Star Wars franchise. They decided to set a story between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi that. That like went across all these different multimedia platforms. Uh, there was a novel, there was a comic, uh, the video game, action figure. And the soundtrack. The soundtrack. They made it like yep. the next chapter in Star Wars history. Um, and it's really it's amazing. One of, it's one of the only pieces of Star Wars at that time. Sorry, that George Lucas considered canon. Like he yeah. said that the events that happened in Return or in Shadows of the Empire are true. Like these things happened, and yeah, he had a major um, hand in that. He had a major hand in helping create that. And and it was Steve Perry, yes. um, who wrote it. And Steve Perry is actually one of our fi favorite writers because he also writes a lot of uh, aliens and predator uh, books. So, mm -hmm. but it's just you know you have Dash Rendar, you have huh. Shizor, Shizor, you have. Characters that I live on to this day, personally. And um, the video game was fun. That was for the N64, which was great. Um, the soundtrack is very good. Like, just a just a great piece of um, getting you back into it. You know what I mean? Especially for us, where we didn't we we grew up with Star Wars, but it was still after 
the movies had come out. So like what we're dealing with mostly is expanded universe and then prequels, um, unfortunately. But um, uh, yeah, so it was uh, it was amazing. Yes, yeah, Shadows of the Empire. What else is around that time? I mean, like, I mean, there was tales from Jabba's palace and stuff, right? I mean, if you, I mean, I let's just talk about what started it all. I mean, you had the Timothy Zahn trilogy, the Heir to the Empire, yeah. which introduced Grand Admiral Thrawn, and in Mara Jade, you know, introducing major characters that would carry on throughout the the expanded universe for years to come. Um, you had Dark Empire, which was the first Star Wars comic, which actually was one of the first, you know, beside like Splinters of the Mind's Eye and some of the Marvel comics that came way before, um, Dark Empire launched this whole new expanded universe that would carry on year after year, um, where, you know, Luke goes to the dark side, wants to know why why Vader had this draw to be, to be you know, to, to go to that, you know. So, um the expanding universe just opened up the possibilities, and you know George Lucas did have a hand in what kind of like control over what was going to happen, and he would either you know say yes or no, or he would say you know this has to happen in this book. So it was nice to know that the creator had a lot to do with what was going to happen, and then the writers would take you know their liberties after that. And this is also during a time when I hate to to use the word respected, but George Lucas was more respected at this time. Can I say something about that? Yeah. Um, I just want to say, like, it, it, the funny thing is, we look at George Lucas, like, when he made the original trilogy back in 1977, or, you know, before whatever, before that, and then released it in 1977, and then you look at 20-something um, 20, 20 years down the line, he's a different person. He's not this, like, young filmmaker who's out telling the story that he always wanted to tell. He he comes back with the prequels and he says, This this I'm 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 gonna try to like have closure to the stories that I started. So I he he had this different perspective of who he was at that point. So I, I, I don't really get angry with George Lucas about like what he did because there's certain aspects of the prequels that I do like. But like you're gonna say, he he still was kind of respected at the point that Shadows of the Empire came out and, and during the EU before the prequels hit. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think that people started getting a little angry with the, um, the special editions because they, they changed things. And I know this is a, probably a minor thing that doesn't bother a lot of people, but <laughs> the Yub Yub song oh, in, no. <laughs> in Return of the Jedi is, is one of the, like, for me... Even though I like the other piece of music that gets accompanying, accompanying, and I know it's John Williams still, I just it doesn't. I don't know why it doesn't do anything for me. I like the yub yub. I like the fun of it. Ah, I hated that that got changed. I I understand that maybe the recording wasn't that long, but it's not that hard to sample um, a, or loop or something like that to to cover the new scenes that they added in there. You know. We're short on the scenes. You know, I mean, like, do you gotta have all the scenes? It's just a bunch Wait. of celebrations of like planets at that time that we don't even know. We've never seen Coruscant. We don't care. You know what I mean? Do I have to see a, a stormtrooper getting passed around? You know, I would, do I? I would. I would tend to disagree because as as somebody who was really into the expanded universe, 
I, I wanted to see what Coruscant looked like, and I think that was kind of a cool thing to touch on. I, I you know, whatever, you know, crowd surfing the stormtrooper to his death was whatever, but I, I don't, I was happy to see that. I was kind of excited by those to see the scenes, but you know, the scenes of Tatooine or Bespin, whatever. But you know, the Coruscant, Coruscant one, I was more, well, let's you know, think more about it. So, for how long it takes to make a movie, um, especially a movie like. Phantom, of the Phantom Menace right. at that time, in 1999, right? The CGI alone is probably taking like a year, probably two. So at that time when he's doing the special editions, he's already have written at least the Phantom Menace, and he knows what he wants to do with it. So this is kind of the beginning of the end for what you know is Star Wars, in um, my opinion. Um, yeah, I mean... I'm sure that they were shooting stuff in 1997. You know, I'm Probably. sure they were using. I'm sure they used the same the same um, CGI scenes and all that for the for what they were going to bring about for the prequels. And I mean, Coruscant was such a was such a heavily referenced planet in in the EU that people it, people just wanted. You know, I'm sure that people were just excited to see see it for the first time as part of the original trilogy. Well, the other thing about it is that. In most Eisley, we got to see Dash Rendar's ship for the first time when it burst away. Um, remember that? That's the, and that's what's crazy to me that that has it been said that Shadows of the Empire is Legends or Shadows of the Empire? No, it has not it has not officially come out to say that it is Legends, um, but. The Outrider, which is Dash Render's uh, YT-2400 class freighter, which is similar, obviously, to the Millennium Falcon. Obviously, many parallels to Han Solo. Um, but seeing, yeah, that, that ship leave uh, most Eisley, that's in the special editions, which unless Disney goes and repackages them, which they could, obviously, um, that's that's part of the canon that they're using right now, and there's there hasn't been anything that has said that Shadows of the Empire is the Legends line. It's the only one where it's on the fringes, so we don't know if it's considered canon or if it's considered Legends, which is what the expanded universe is now. So I just, it's just, uh, I, I just don't understand how something like that couldn't be considered canon. Right. Well. Yeah, it, it, exactly. We don't. But um, let's talk about a little bit. Uh, what's one of your favorite moments out of all the movies? And I guess we're we're sticking a holy trilogy. So what's one of your favorite movies from there? Or moments from the movies? I'm gonna I'm gonna do I'm gonna do my top three. Okay. Um, the one of my favorites is when Han goes into Carbonite. Um, it's 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 a disturbing scene. It's it's you know you're taking the character who's really carrying one side of the movie um, and developing a whole you know the relationship with Leia and really growing that whole Han Solo character through that movie because at the end of New Hope you're kind of you're kind of at the point where Han Solo is going to want to try to either leave the rebellion or do his own thing because he is still kind of selfish but right through Empire you kind of you you come to love um, Han Solo because he is really kind of Becoming the hero that he should be, um, and then the end of the movie, he, you know, he, they get 
betrayed by Lando, and and he become he becomes a test subject for the Carbonite. So you know, it's it's kind of like it's a, it's a disturbing scene when you when you're a kid and he gets frozen. Um, my second favorite um, is the entire Jabba sequence. Um, I think it's the Jabba sequence from Return of the Jedi is one of one of my favorite um, movie, um, you know, movie movie intros, movie yeah, I guess segments of all time. I mean, the amount of Muppets in that, the amount of action, the the Rancor, Slave Leia. I mean, the when Luke takes down the entire crime syndicate, jumping from ship, you know. So you're you're literally talking about everything that involves Java. Yeah, that's not one scene. It's a scene. It's uh, it's like no. fucking forty five minutes of a movie. Yeah. All right. So then my first favorite. <laughs> I, well, let me let me uh I'll I'll wait to uh I'll I'll, I'll critique you on yours as well. Okay. Um, good. <laughs> But yeah, that that's awesome. Um, I guess the Rancor. All right. So the Rancor is is the best part because it's this crazy creature that yeah, that yeah. just dropped Luke into without a lightsaber. That's and amazing. That dude cries, and you're like, so yeah, that, poor poor Malachi, the the Rancor keeper. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my favorite though is um, when when Luke first faces Vader on Cloud City. The I guess it it just the way it's shot with all the <laughs> the steam. Oh, I guess the carbonite steam or whatever, the cold, cold air, and the lighting, and the fact that you know that Luke isn't really ready for this, um, and he gets his hand cut off. You know, it's like, it's such a, um, it's a defeat to your the hero who, in A New Hope, came out triumphant and defeated the Empire, and then he totally gets like his ass handed to him by Vader and the Empire, and yeah. just like gets sent on his way. So. Um, it is the um, it's the climax of that movie, and it's it's what really um, delivers that entire movie to me is just Luke Skywalker getting his ass kicked. No, it's it's a fantastic scene. Those are not as my scenes, and they're not as good as my scenes, but those are those are good scenes. <laughs> All I gotta say is, you know, the force All is with Java. <laughs> the force is with you, young Skywalker, but you are not a Jedi yet. <laughs> All of Java. Um, so all of Java, and if you haven't if you haven't watched that, um, uh, was it Moon Five parody of Java? <laughs> yeah, what is that. it? Uh, what's that Moon Five song? The really popular one. I got the moves like whatever. Dagger, dagger. They they do a. a oh yeah, Java. yeah, yeah, that one is funny. That's it's pretty like, hilarious. Moves like Vader or something. I know what you're moves talking like, about. Moves like Java. <clears throat> yeah, that's Vader funny. Has, Vader has no moves, bro. Um, binary sunset. So, oh yeah, yeah. My favorite music. When I die, it will play at my funeral. Mm-hmm. You won't be there. You'll be long since dead. But oh, I will be there. Well, dead. But um, best music in in the entire trilogy, in my opinion. So, Luke looking at those two two moons, two suns, two suns going down, uh, gets me every time. Um, the Battle of Hoth, the entire Battle of Hoth, because it's perfect. It's the best battle out of all Star Wars. I consider that out of all of them. Um, and I don't know if this is going to be my favorite scene, 
uh, my favorite scene is definitely Binary Sunset, but one of my favorite scenes, and and you can yell at me or whatever you want to do, but I think it's the best directed scene by George Lucas, which is in episode three, the beginning of it. I know we're going to talk about the Holy Trilogy, but in episode no, three... That's, you can't that, say that now. That's going to be the next episode. Oh my gosh. All right, Come fine. On. So not, so from I, not I, there... I like, I like it. Like, I like it when the... I like it when the Ewoks crash at ATST with those logs. I don't care. You can't no, talk about the prequels right now. The scene is when at Jabba's Palace, Luke shows up and the door opens and he's standing there like a badass. That's, right. That's the other scene. <laughs> And he and he force chokes those Gamorrean guards. Yeah. So. Um, and no, you actually you know what what's so awesome about that scene <clears throat> is that it's the first time where Luke is like like showing off his real Jedi powers. He's like mind tricking people. He's yep. like choking out people. He's like, I've had my trainings, and that's what Shadows of the Empire you know explores as well. It's like that time between where he builds the lightsaber. He's he's like really growing his skills and. And and then all of a sudden, Return of the Jedi happens, and he's just kicking ass. Absolutely, absolutely. So, I think this is a good point where we should go to our other commercial. For our we have other, more. We have more commercials. We have more commercials. So we should listen to our other super popular podcast right now. All right. <laughs> I'm Chris. And I'm Casey from Gourmet Scum Radio. We're two cousins talking about geeky pop culture stuff. You a fan of television, music, and movies of the 80s? <laughs> well, we are too. Do you like being transported to galaxies far, far away and the threat of troglodytes that go boom in the night? Well, we're going to geek out about it. Have you ever scared yourself listening to ska music while reading a comic book and sipping on a tasty Jones soda? Then this is the podcast for you! Gourmet Scum Radio is here to tickle your holes and make you believe in dynamite explosions right second. Make sure to check us out on Stitcher and iTunes. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter and check out our website at don'tforgetatowel.com. You won't regret it! Oh my gosh, another amazing commercial. So as we were continuing our conversation about favorite things, favorite moments in, in Star Wars and all that stuff, let's touch upon a, um, a starships. Obviously, you know, the battles, the space battles are a huge thing. George Lucas was extremely influenced by like the films of Howard Hughes and all of the dogfight movies. So what's your favorite ship out of Star Wars? Easily, uh, it's my favorite ship was the uh, Darth Vader's personalized Tie Fighter. No, not really. It was a uh, it was the Millennium Falcon, of course. Um, even even though Slave One and I love both Fetch and that ship was so weird looking. Yeah. I mean, the Millennium Falcon is. The Star Wars flagship. I mean, you can say X-Wing, you can say Star Destroyer, but who doesn't love the broken-down bucket of bolts Millennium Falcon? It, it was like 
it was the it was the MacGuffin of so many <clears throat> so many Star Wars like jokes, like the hyperdrive never working. It was like set after set. You know, they used that ship for so many things, and because it could carry so many different characters, it was it was the perfect it was a perfect set for George Lucas to just say, "Hey, we're in space." And you know, when it wasn't the it wasn't the Empire on the Star Destroyer, it was the Rebels in 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 the Millennium Falcon. Okay. <laughs> I'm I'm fine with that. My my favorite's actually a Y wing, to be honest with you. Shut up. I'm not even joking. I like the way that they look. <laughs> you know what? The Y wing was actually my favorite fighter to use in um the uh the the Rebel Assault, not Rebel Assault. The, yes. uh, the No, the GameCube game, the ones, those ones that we you, squadron. You, Rogue squadron. the Rogue Squadron. Yeah, you could just drop bombs and just fucking annihilate yeah. shit. Those they were are, cool. Those are great ships, man. They're very versatile. They're not. They're not ver- no, 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 no. But no, no, no. Actually, in all reality, they're not versatile. They're very, like, in in Star Wars informational uh, sciences, um, they're actually not very maneuverable. They're just bombers. <clears throat> well, whatever. They're they're versatile at bombing things, so I like them. <laughs> Sorry for my like, geekly geekly knowledge there. <laughs> yeah, I like to blow them up, <laughs> blow things up in general, blow planets up. My favorite ship Death Star. is Death Star Dragon. Yeah. <laughs> I love the Death Star because of the drive-bys it commits. It's it's totally cool. I loved it when it blew up Alderaan. So. Yeah, the only thing it ever did. Um, if you ever get a chance, uh, look up the not you, Chris, but the world here. Um, <laughs> listen to the uh, Star Wars rap. Just Google it. There's two of them. They oh, came out probably in '97, and they're freaking hilarious. But um, all right. So that's your your favorite starship, obviously. So let's let's touch upon um, the toys a bit, because you collected a lot of the toys uh, since we were kids, and just tell us how you got into that. I you know the original toys. Um, I didn't really have a whole lot of, I got them for presents once in a while, but I, when I started really, you know, when I was in that action figure age range, I was, it was past Return of the Jedi, so there was like that post-Return of the Jedi line that came out that I got okay. some from, and different things like that, but I was never really experienced with the original trilogy, uh, the original line. But, you know, when by Kenner, Ken. but Kenner decided, yeah, by Kenner, and then Kenner decided to release the Power of the Force line, yeah. um, and that's when I really started collecting. And um, I still do to this date. Um, now that Hasbro has the has the um, license for that, but you know, Star Wars Star Wars was really the first franchise movie, whatever you want to say, that um, unleashed an unparalleled um, collector market. Uh, George Lucas knew that through marketing. Of this, of the name brand Star Wars, he would be able to become a billionaire. Um, so you got a great line of action figures from Kenner. I mean, even these to this date, um, we see like Funko is putting out these reaction figures based on the figures of old because there's such a demand for that that retro look, um, and that's what really gets me on the older figures. The newer ones, uh, the Power of the Force were okay. They, like we said before, they. We've mentioned on, the, uh, on our other podcast, Pursuit of Plastic, that they don't look that great, um, but 
over the years, they started to look better and better. Um, and now we have the Black Series, so which is the first six-inch uh, scale. And so, you know, Star Wars action figures aren't going anywhere anytime soon. No, they're they're not. But Star uh, the Black Series are the first Star Wars toys that I've ever bought. Because, really? Oh yeah. Like I've always thought they looked like shit. And being a huge Star Wars fan my entire life, I want action figures to look like the characters, and I've never thought that they did. I own a free toy that was given to me for the special edition of Return of the Jedi, that Luke, um, and then I own a General Grievous toy because I was like, that character is badass. And this is before the movie even came out. Um, past that, never, never bought them, never bought them before that, until the Black Series, and as you notice... All my Black Series toys aren't... They don't have their faces. You actually only see mask characters because I still don't think the faces look good. I own the Bespin Luke and everybody else is either Stormtrooper or Boba Fett because those characters look like them. And in the Rebels figures, and I think that's because they are more... and or Sorry, Hasbro can at least... um sculpt cartoon type characters but I think they're shitty sculptors honestly stick with robots in disguise because that's what you do good I agree um, <clears throat> sorry you know, Hasbro yeah, no, we, <laughs> you won't let us to review your figure <laughs> no which no I mean it's this is it it is a common um, theme amongst you know we we we're talking about um, Hasbro in our in our pursuit of plastic uh, podcast and we're just, you know, it's it's a common theme amongst both their series and just in general. Um, they 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 do a good cartoonish look. Um, so your comic book characters look great. Your Star Wars Rebels characters look fine. So I mean, I'll take it as it is, you know. And I just hope that um, they can keep up with the demand that that is out there for those figures now. Yeah, that's that's it. It's just add more articulation. Um, the sculpting's gotten a lot better. I'm, I'm looking at my white Boba Fett uh, prototype figure now. Beautiful. I mean, in, in the Boba, the other Boba Fett with the, the normal color is beautiful. It's just like, but get get back the hand grips. You know what I mean? Like, just, ugh. They could do so much more. They could do so much more with six-inch figures. And I'm, I'm happy with the Black Series. I'm very happy. But I know that they could do better. So um, the other big thing that we need to touch upon, and I mean touch because there's going to be countless podcasts devoted to this, but is uh, Episode 7. You know, this is like, other than the prequels, well, this is the first post-Return of the Jedi era that we live in now. So that is one thing, as Star Wars fans, that you and I are living a part of and we can experience that the comics, the toys, the movies, the video games, everything that comes out is now canon. It's all under Disney. And the and the, the other than Rebels and the comics, the major release is is episode. So how excited? I'm very excited. I you know, the movie's coming out this year. It's coming out on my birthday, which is kind of ironic, um, if you ask me. Um, but you know the crazy thing is like the aggressive um, schedule that they have planned to lead us into that 
you know, into that new timeline, uh, or I'm sorry, into that new episode. So they're going to f- uh, fill this gap of, of, I don't even know how many years, I'm sorry, but um, with books and comics, I, I read today that there's like 33 planned books or novels, you know, planned that will be based in that, that time period. So they're li- really looking to develop and, and, and have you ready for that movie. Um, so that's that's really exciting because you know being disappointed by the prequels um, is one thing, but all of a sudden we we have what we really wanted. We have sequels to uh, the original Star Wars movies that we grew up on and we love and we respect, and um, and now it's in the hands of the fans themselves. Yeah, and that's that's the biggest thing. Not to say anything. Just so you guys know, James Lucino, who just wrote uh, *Heir to the Jedi*, um, no. he also did. Uh, he didn't write. He didn't write *Heir to the Jedi*. Wait, what did he write then? Tarkin. Tarkin. Okay, so sorry. No. So he also wrote um, *Rise of Vader*. Yes. And he wrote the uh, the General Grievous book. Um, those are two altogether three fantastic books, um, but the two that take place in that prequel time. I I love those books. Those are awesome, awesome, awesome books. And the Order sixty six books, those are good. Uh, you need to, you need to read, read uh, Outbound Flight. I think that's what it's called. Uh, it's a, it's by Timothy Zahn, and what it does, it's kind of a prequel to uh, the Air of the uh, not Air um, Air of the Empire. Yeah, Air of the Empire oh. trilogy is for sure. Timothy Zahn is is you know Air to the Empire. Right, Heir of the Empire. So he writes this um, one that's based with uh, and Qui Gon Jinn and, and Obi Wan are actually uh, the uh, main characters in this in this novel. So that's 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 a cool book, man. Read that. Yeah, Timothy Zahn's amazing. So yeah, we're we're living in a time where um, we're gonna get to see the movies that we've only dreamed about, speculated about, and clamoring for since we were children, and. Um, it's it's a pretty great time to be a geek, and especially a Star Wars geek with Disney owning them. Yeah, thank you, Disney, for uh, <laughs> picking up the franchise from Lucas, and you know, just just expanding it the way you are. I I've I just I, I've loved what they've done with Marvel, and I think that we're gonna get a lot of the same results, if not better, with with Star Wars. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, uh, I mean, they they've both been around. I mean, st- obviously, Marvel's been around longer, um, but it, it's it's thing that together, as far as Star Wars is a shared universe and with everything, and Marvel with everything. So, it's a it's a beautiful time and very <laughs> happy. So, what else do you got to say about Star Wars as we we kind of wrap up the episode? Uh, just to look forward to look forward to more Star Wars uh, podcasts. Um, it's gonna oh be yeah, definitely uh, between all the popular topic. Yeah, <laughs> Star let's call it let's call it our um our shared universe for the yeah. Talk. talk. Yeah, Star Wars. <laughs> Towel Eight Talk is the shared universe for uh for don't forget a towel and uh, Star Wars is definitely a, a theme that runs throughout everything. Yeah, so uh, to wrap things up, find us on our social medias. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, at Don't Forget a Towel or D-F-A-T-O-W-E-L. 
Uh, you can also in, email us at info at don'tforgetatowel.com if you have any suggestions or ideas for future episodes or anything you want to hear. And make sure to listen to us on iTunes or Stitcher. Don't know which one you're listening to right now, but we're on Android and Apple devices. And rate us on either one of those. It's only going to help us... Uh, you know, get more followers and, and kind of reach out to more people, which would be great. Um, we also have a donation donation page set up on the uh, Don't Forget a Towel website. Um, basically, any money that we get contributed goes right back into the site, getting better equipment, doing site fees. Uh, we appreciate any donation and really, really thank you to all of our followers and listeners on the website and Podcast. Um, the Tower Lake Talk is our flagship podcast, as we mentioned before. We also have the Pursuit of Plastic, which is our toy hunting, toy collecting podcast with Chris and I. We also have those Geeks You Know, which is my friends Bob and Dave and I. We kind of just geek out about uh, more relevant pop culture. Um, and then Gourmet Scum Radio, which is Chris Siever, the uh, Writer, director, creator of Warlock Home Video, Low Budget Pictures, um, also my cousin. Uh, we talk about kind of 80s pop culture, and we go back a little bit more, but uh, everything is, is geekly throughout the whole thing. So um, there you go. Totally geekly. Yes. So this is Casey saying, uh, you know, may the force be with you. And this is Chris saying, don't forget a towel.